Track and field fans, supporters, club members, you're the greatest track and field fans in the world. Thank you for joining us. Let's run like home after dark. Robert Johnson here. We're across the street from a marijuana truck in Austin, Texas. We apologize for any music you hear. It's the reason why I'm wearing sunglasses, folks. Just kidding. Just kidding. We are across the street from a marijuana truck that is playing loud music. We apologize, but the show must go on. I'm joined by the great Jonathan Galt staff writer we're going to be breaking down the 2023 ncaa outdoor championships what a championship john going into this we were expecting to see what we saw today caitlin tui times two britain wilson times two what a performance 400 flat world record for britain wilson and then she came back and broke sydney mclaughlin 400 world record yeah i know it's stunning right caitlin tui 358 to beat Jenny Simpson's record, and then uh, I couldn't believe it when she ran 1359 in the 5,000. Wait, none of that happened, folks. Today, Caitlin Tui's dream of the double ends. She does not win the 1500. She boldly goes for gold, though, fades, and then doesn't run the 5,000. I'm sure she's being blasted on the boards for that. I will defend her. Britton Wilson doesn't win the 400, and doesn't win the 400 hurdles. We'll break that down and much more. Who's the biggest winner at NCAs this year? <clears throat> Will Sumner. Who's the biggest loser? Is it Caitlin Tui? We'll break that down as well. Thank you for joining us, folks. If you're a sports member, you know you're the best track and field fan. If you're up at 1 a.m. listening to this show, you're a pretty good track and field fan as well. So join the supporters club. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe today. So you don't have to stay up to one. This will be in your podcast feed when you wake up. John, NCAs are always fun. It's over. Should we start with today? Is that the best way to do it? What do you think we should do? I think we should start with Tui and Wilson. Because going in, if I said one of these two things is going to happen, they're going to wait and combine to win zero NCAA titles, or they're going to combine to win four NCAA titles. I think we both would have picked four, right, Robert? And just for the people watching online, the camera angle here is misleading. We're kind of making do with what we have. It looks as if Robert is just this big, strong man. He's tall. Robert's not taller than me in real life. I am taller than him. I don't know about weight-wise, but just so that everyone there has the proper perspective of what's going on. But, yeah, if I said four or zero, what's going to happen? You would have said four, right? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Probably. I mean, I just assume Wilson was definitely going to win. That's why I like to have these polls and these predictions beforehand, because after the fact, it's really hard to think about what were you thinking ahead of time. So let's talk to – I mean, yes, yeah, so I, I thought – Well, uh, well Robert, I you, ran you know, a poll on my Twitter account before the meet, and my question, I gave people four options. I said, who does the double? Tui, Wilson, both, or neither? And it was actually pretty evenly spread by the end. I'm not sure if people were getting in late votes once they already knew the outcome. But it ended up 22% thought Tui would do the double and not Wilson. 27% thought Wilson would do it and not Tui. 23% said both. 28% said neither. I think there's a lot of late comers, though, who were hopping in on neither once that was already apparent. Because when I started the meet, they were, that was the least popular option, I think. So what was the most common beforehand? I think... It was Tui, which I thought was ridiculous. I and I, 
I, the way I, I saw this, there was I was like, there is no way Britton Wilson is losing the 400 hurdles. She's clearly the best 400 hurdler in the country. I knew that Rashida Adeleke from Texas, she was she'd been running really well. You knew she could run in the 49s in the final. It was going to take a pretty good run from Britton Wilson. But I think a lot of us, based on what she had done throughout the regular season, based on how good she looked at the prelims, thought Britton Wilson might be able to go 48s. And yeah. I don't know whether it was a shin issue. She's been dealing with it the whole season or what. But Britton Wilson was not her incredible, incredible self in the 400. And then that race clearly took something out of her because she wasn't close to her best in the 400 hurdles. And it was only 25 minutes apart. So yeah. that's going to be tough. Well, on the podcast last week, I, I just I, – I didn't do the research – I thought Britton Wilson was going to double. And I said, too, he wouldn't because I, I didn't realize that there was any doubt in, in the 400. And then I thought, well, she's going to, she, she's double back at regionals. She'll be able to double back here. But no. But let's talk about Tui. Let's talk about the 1500. So before the race started, I said, she's not going to win the 1500. And why did I say that? It's because I trust your opinion on track and field, John. Not going to lie. Been in Austin for four days. My mom and dad are here. My, my, my They live here. My, my wife came in. My son came in. Been busy during the day. So um, I was getting to the track a little bit late on the prelim day, and I thought I might miss the 1500. Had the opportunity to eat, to wine and dine with an NCAA runner-up, John, trying to build bonds with the young kids. Long story. We'll probably get into it eventually, but my my, my mom and dad's best friends – Robert wasn't in Brother. the game. This is the situation, all right? Yes. But anyways, is the step-grandparent of an NCAA runner. Anyways, I was out at the meet. And it was clear that you thought Tui didn't look good in the 1500 prelims. And then just the more I thought about it, it's the same thing I have about, like, my fear about Ingebrigtsen in the 1500. Like, okay, like, well, Ingebrigtsen clearly is a mile because he's the Olympic champion. But Tui, it's, it's the same concept. Like, how fast are you? If you've got to lead the whole thing, You've got to be way faster than everybody else, two or three seconds faster than everybody else. And Tui is not two or three seconds faster than everybody else this year. So you said she didn't look good. Um, we've been hearing a lot about the Oklahoma State uh, freshman, I believe, from Kenya, who's got really good wheels. Billa Jeff Crewe. I mean, Billa Jeff Crewe, who was, I believe, fourth in this race. But she closed her prelim 205 for her last 800. She ran 61-0 last lap. Like, I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, if this is a tactical race – like, there's no way Caitlin Tui could – I didn't think there was any way Caitlin Tui could do that. So her strategy is she has to make it fast, like you said. And unless you're way, way better than everyone else, which the 2023 Caitlin Tui I don't think is. Like, maybe 2022, the one that ran 406 solo at ACCs, maybe that one might have been able to win this race. But not today and certainly not with the wind, which is about 10 miles an hour race time as well. Yeah, so I start, I start, the, I start the thread on the meet, and I'm like, she's not going to win the 15. And then I'm like, do I think she's going to win the five? And I'm like, no, I don't. Because when I used to coach, it's just it's so much harder to double back on the same day. When you're racing someone like Parker Valley, who, you know, gave two a, a pretty good run. Oops, I don't want the tracking. Um, you know, oops, sorry. You know, Parker gave probably gave her a pretty good run in cross country, a pretty good run last year. I'm like, she's not that much better to the tour that, that she can beat her, you know, tire. So, but the gun goes off, or right before the gun goes off, you know, it was very windy. My son was trying to fly a kite all day. We were trying to get the kite up. And 
there was a stiff wind into their face. So all the spreads are going to be drastically wind aided. It was 10 miles per hour, gusting higher. But when you start at the 1500, you're running into the wind. So I'm like, this is going to make it even harder front run. But the gun goes off. Tui looked on. Another thing that made me wor- worried was I didn't even watch the 1500 prelims, but how she said I didn't have a good start. Like, I'm like, the start shouldn't matter. Like, what are you talking about? But I was watching the start, John. She looked intent on getting out hard. And we talked to someone after the race, if, someone on YouTube, check it out. Time her from 100 to 300. They claimed the first 100 was, you know, not that fast. And then she blasted a 30 from 100 to 300. I don't think it was quite that fast. But basically, really quickly, she takes off and is going for it. And we were watching this together, John, and we just said, right? I mean, that's what you have to do. In her situation, I guess the, the only thing – you have to front run it. The question is, do you front run the whole thing or do you go with a K to go or 900 to go? And I think that the interesting thing with the wind is, you know, if you can kind of get a gap on everyone early, then the wind kind of becomes your friend because then someone is going to have to bridge that gap against the wind. And she, she was able to get a gap uh, by 800 meters, but I think she got a little overexcited that first 400. She ran, what, 64, 65, which... Like, I, I I don't think there was really any scenario where she was going to be able to break the whole field based on where she's at right now. But I think she went out a little quick, like maybe in retrospect, you attack a little later in the race. But I, I don't, I can't really fault her very much. She did, she knew it was going to be tough. She knew she had to go from the front at some point. She laid it out there. She gave it her best, and she wasn't able to break it. And it's it's hard to do. What what I said was when when she went for it, we both just said this is baller utmost respect so i'm not going to sit here now and say whatever moron like, i respect it. like she could have run the 10 and i assume she would have won that easily maybe not maybe she's not top of her game we'll talk about that in a minute but she went for it in the 1500 and then she tried to just front run it and you got to respect it it doesn't work out whatever so it wasn't that fast she went 47 9 i mean four flat paces is 64 is the whole way so you know but then the sec the pro and she and like two girls went with her, but then the second lap was only a sixty seven, and then a sixty eight, and then she only closed in sixty seven going home. But three girls got ahead, so I was like, okay, the chase pack is also going to have to break the wind. But you know, she just ultimately got caught in the home stretch and sort of run down by a, a lot of people. In hindsight, now you know as a coach. It's all like, oh, she should have done something else. You know, what I would say is maybe wait till 200 meters to pick it up and just gradually wind it down. So this coach that we talked to, he literally thought that she ran top coach, professional coach, between 100 and 330 seconds. He's like, yeah, that was too fast. And I do agree. You want to kind of – normally you'd say you gradually wind it down, but going super fast might just break them in the wind. So it, and if nobody goes with her – Maybe it's kind of interesting. I th- I just think she was kind of in a very tough situation. But I, you either wait till like 200 to go or 600 to go and squeeze it down the last 900. I would have used the wind to help propel them. But anyways, she doesn't win. Should we mention – we haven't mentioned the name of the 1,500-meter champion. We're more than 10 minutes into the podcast. We have not said Maya Ramson of Harvard's name. What a weekend for her. She comes in. I mean, she's been dominating the Ivy League level this year. Uh, but you know, na- and nationally, she was top five in the mile indoors, so she was pretty good. But I don't think any of us predicted her to win this race. Part of it was 
she wasn't one of those women who ran crazy fast in the West Freeland where all these people ran 408. But she comes into this meet. She runs a PR in the semifinals of 409. And then tonight, she runs a PR of 408 in the final to get the victory. And she was moving the best. Like when you, Robert, when she moved up sort of that lost 200 and started kicking, I was like, she's moving faster than everyone else. She didn't have the best position, which, you know, I kind of like to think is somewhat important sometimes in these races. And, but I was like, no, she looks the best. She's going to close it off. She held everyone off. It was super impressive by Maya Ramston. Uh, deserved national champion. You're, now you're going to try to pitch some narrative that somehow she won this race, even though doesn't, she doesn't have a kit, because for the one random 800 she ran this year, it was only 209. Is that your position, Robert? Or do you think this woman who just held off everyone in the NCAA actually might be able to close? Well, it's kind of interesting because we're saying here at the start of the show, Tui's not super speedy. She has no, you know, she's not an 815 girl. She's a 15, 10,000 woman. She's got to go hard. She doesn't have a lot of speed. And she wins. I would say the same thing in Maya Ramson. She's got a 209, 800 PB. She, she hardly ever – she never really runs 800 things from 2004. Uh, yeah, just for the record, she's run zero 800s this year. Her one 800 last year was 209.99 and a meet against you're, Yale. You're Harvard Yale meet. She finished third, but the winning time was only 209. But today she actually closed in 21081. With a 63.27, I mean, her, her last lap was significantly better than anyone else in the race. So it's ironic that someone without a lot of speed won the race. Maybe Tua should have just done what she did and run people down. But I just don't think it was Tua's day. We're going to get to that in a minute. Ramson ran great. I talked to Coach Gibby uh, of Harvard. Great meet for him, by the way. Graham Blanks got second at the 5,000. And my credited Graham a lot. So, I had, you know, I practice every day at this guy. He gets second. Why can't I do well? But he, she's – Coach G- – she said the coach gave me and her talk before the race a little bit about like what's too fast. Like you don't want to go out too fast. You know, 800, what's going to feel comfortable. You want to feel somewhat comfortable. And the number she said was 212 and 213. That's actually what Tui ended up hitting was like 212 or 213. Ramson was like 215, 216, but it was windy. And she's like, they, she just focused on her race. And then they happened to catch up to the pack and, you know, NCs take over and she wins it. And Gibby said, look, he's like, Tui's speedy, my girl's speedy, just because you're not 15, you know, you're not 815 doesn't mean you're not speedy and you can't win races. I mean, Jakob Ingemann wins a lot of 1500s. So that's it. I thought Olivia Howell, the indoor champ, might win. She tried to go with Tui. So the three people that went out hard were Tui, Howell, and, and, and Thornton Bott of Oregon. I think it, in hindsight, if Howell or Thornton Bott of Oregon, I mean, Thornton Bott ended up second, if they had stayed back, they might have won the race. They might have, but Izzy Thornton Bott was really pumped about her result. Like her, she had family fly in. Her mom was here from Australia. Her grandparents were here from the UK. So, and then she was FaceTiming with her family back in Australia before she came to the mix. So she was just so emotional. She was like, I can't believe I went second in the NCAA. So, and she essentially was like, look, this is a big stage. Um, I, I was just going to go for it. You know, I didn't want to have any regrets. So she went out. It was, you know, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty, Robert. Now we know how the race played out. Would backing off a little bit maybe have helped her? Yeah, maybe. But she still got second in the NCAA. This was like the best race of her life. So I think pretty good job for Oregon and first year coach Shalane Flanagan, 2-4 in this race, Robert. Well, hey, everyone who hates on Jerry Schumacher, the women were the women were on the podium. They were fourth. 
know who gets credit for that. Jerry Sherry, Jerry Shalane or the previous coach. But by the way, folks, this is officially confirmed. BYU is not the only school that uses overage runners. John told me the Easy Thornton bot is 25 years of age. Is that correct? Yeah. And she has more eligibility. So I know, but it's pumped. It's I great. Mean, to see overage is an inaccurate term. You can just call them old. Like they they they're allowed to be in the NCAA. Like they're eligible to compete, but. 25, that is the age of a seventh-year senior. Correct. If you're closer in age to yours truly than you are to a newborn, you're too old. You should not be in college. I'm not going to reveal my exact age, but that's just the fact. So, anyways, it was kind of just a crazy race. Props to Tui for going for it. I, now that I criticize – actually, it reminds me when I coached at Cornell. Like, I was telling Jonathan Gull, like, when do you see someone just lead a 1,500 from start to finish? I guess Matthew Shinto was in 2016, but that was a slow one. And it's just – it's hard to blast it from the front. I think even if you're not a speed demon, you should probably wait for a lap before trying to just squeeze it down. But the real thing I want to say is we get to the race later in the day, and we see Britton Wilson, you know, she's been battling shin splints. By the way, Arkansas – I mean, those people are into the team. And you can, Some people can say Lance Harder abuses them. I mean, indoors we have the DMR woman. Help me out, John, with her name. In Arkansas? Oh, Lauren Gregory. Lauren Gregory gave, basically gave up her outdoor season and got injured to win them the team title. And with Britton Wilson, she said, I have a shush reaction in my foot. I had it all year. And my shin, you know, she wasn't herself. But I don't think that was about the team, though, Robert. I mean, she talked to her spring coach, Chris Johnson, and I think it was basically her call to decide yeah. whether she what she wanted to do in NCAA. She wanted to do this double to challenge herself. And it wasn't about – trying to contend for the team title because Texas was going to win regardless. Yeah, so, she uh, wanted to try something. Which is great. Out. And if, if I'm a shoe exec, I'm like, this is one of the most talented track athletes in the human in the, in the world. I don't care. Now we get to two, she doesn't run the five. And you know, your first instinct is that's weak. That's not my first instinct. My first instinct is she just got run down. She was totally out of gas. That last hundred meters in the 1500. Now you want to have her come back and run. In 90 degree temps with a 71 degree, 71 dew point in a 5K. I mean, she's probably exhausted at that point. Like, if she thinks she's just going to get, if she doesn't, isn't confident that she can contend for the win, I don't see the point of running her out there just to get fifth or sixth. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. My first instinct was, oh no, she's not running lame. That's what I thought. But as a coach, former coach, someone understands it. I am 100% behind this decision. Like, she wasn't going to do well. I was talking to Kevin Selway at Full Track. He's like, when Britton Wilson didn't well, he's like, this is what's going to happen to you. Like, when it's not your day and you're not feeling great, it's not your day. And you run her into the ground. But what's interesting here is I'm going to reveal a tidbit. You know, I always think, why did I spend thousands of dollars to come out here, pay for John's hotels and Ubers and rental cars? Did we learn anything from being here that we wouldn't learn from home? And, yes, I bumped into a top coach in the NCAA, and their theory, or they said that wasn't Tui. They said they had talked to Lori Hennis, and Lori Hennis is like, Tui hasn't really been herself for several weeks and just hasn't been, you know. And it can be all these things where, like, sometimes when you're coaching, it's, like, not obvious. Like, you're getting close to your workouts, but it's just not, like – you can kind of force your workouts. I mean, I've told the story about Rich Canal, the head of the Atlanta Track Club. Like when he made the Olympics, he did terrible. This is a guy who medaled in the 97 Worlds. He gets the 2000 Olympics. 
He's like, I ran the same workouts I did in 97. I ran them faster in Australia than I did in 97, but I bombed because he knew what he did. He was just kind of forcing it. So I don't know. Like after the 1500, like if two of workouts haven't been great, she says she oh, revealed a statement. You read the statement. She didn't feel good. Just bag it. You're not going to put her in the hole. Don't put her in the grave. She's a great runner. She's a great future. Yeah. Whatever. I, I have, no, I have no issue with her scratching this at all. I also commend her for even entering both events at qualifying to nationals in both, which, by the way, Maya Ramston. To get the rest of this podcast, unfortunately, or fortunately, you got to be a Supporters Club member. But we're giving a special offer. Use code GOAT50, G-O-A-T, 50, and save 50%. You're about Parker Valby dominating the 5,000. Michaela Rose, a new U.S. star. What's up with Rosine Willis? Will Sumner, oh my gosh, the future, possibly of the U.S. 800 meters. Kai Robinson, the double. Ken Stanford with the Young Brothers, winning CAXC next year. All in the podcast. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. Use code GOAT50 to save 50% off your first year.